Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. 9.02 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after a Tuesday edition. I am Tyler Trumbauer with you Monday through Friday, and I am joined today by our Tuesday, Thursday man, the athlete formerly known as Chewy. Mr. Yukondu, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a great, great Tuesday morning this morning. That it is. Uh, probably the warmest day we're going to have for the next five months. Yeah. It was. Yeah, so I, I said to you as soon it. as said to you as sorry to cut you off, but I said to you as soon as I uh, walked in, it's sneaky hot. It is. It is. This this weather's deceiving because it was just snowing like you, yesterday. Right, and you have a beanie on today. Exactly. I don't. I don't really take any chances. You don't know what's going on in the it's, world. It, I don't take chances. It's like I don't trust the weather. So it could be snowing. Oh, it could be snowing one day, you know, and then feel like summer the next. So. Right, and that's kind of what we're experiencing here. So he's always prepared. Uh, which we like to see. So enjoy that weather today here in Edinburgh if you're around town. If not, you're probably listening on edinburghnow.com or on the TuneIn app on your mobile device. So wherever you are, near and wide, we appreciate you tuning in. And, of course, if you miss any of today's show or you just want to listen to past nonsense or listen to today's uh, hilarity over again, check our podcast out on edinburghnow.com, which will be up later this afternoon. So, Monday Night Football to wrap up this week in the National Football League uh, means a lot to me with the Philadelphia Eagles in the game. So now, Chu, to start this one off, I, I I'm gonna have to give the e- I'm gonna have to just give the game overall this. It was a turnover fest. <laughs> it, it seemed like both teams just didn't want the ball. Neither team seemed <laughs> like they wanted to win. <laughs> Very much. Um, but the Eagles do prevail if you missed this one last night. 27-7. to A lot of people watching Monday Night Football. A, for the football. B, for the Star Wars trailer. Chew, did you see that? Uh, no, I didn't see it. No, I was I watching football. I was watching the game, obviously. Um, but then I just was doing work during halftime. I didn't care about the Star Wars. Oh, uh, you know, I did see this trailer. But I saw it long before uh, last night, though. How? I, I don't know. I was it didn't come out until last night. Are you are you sure? Yeah. No, I saw a little. No, I saw a little snippets because I have this little movie app that I'm always like. Right, but you didn't see the full trailer, right? I didn't see the because I ha- I live with a couple of uh, sweet mates that have massive amount of love for Star Wars. Oh, okay. And uh, they had really not seen it until that Monday Night Football premiere last night. Oh, so I'm sure they were excited, Dan. Right. Yeah. So I feel that's what a lot of people were, um, and they seem to be hyped up for the for the movie. I guess I don't know. I'm, um, I'm more of a Marvel guy. I'm, I'm more of a football guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've never seen a Star Wars in my life. Never? I think I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never watched a full Star Wars movie. Oh, wow. That's really crazy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm probably missing on missing things in life here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably, uh, it seems like you grew up under a rock or something. I usually just used to fall into, like, I used to see those movies on accident. Like, I didn't have any choice. Because they used to be on, like, TV a lot. Right. So I usually, like, I watch a lot of TV when I was younger. So I used to just wake up and I just turn accidentally channel. see those movies, and they were pretty interesting. So I just turned the channel. I don't really want to watch that. You, that's, not, that's not what you get into? That's not me. Okay. So Respect. Anywho, I watched quarters one, two, three, and four. Not so much halftime, which <laughs> most of the other nation uh, just watched halftime. Right. But, I mean, this was a battle of the – I mean, this game, you got to give the win to the Eagles' defense. Yeah, twenty-seven to seven, as I said, was the final score. So the Eagles moved to three and three. The Giants moved to three and three. 
tied atop the Eastern uh, Division of the NFC. However, the Eagles have the current tiebreaker over the Giants. So really, the Eagles are in first place right. in the NFC East, um, which is extremely crazy to say, considering they started the season 0-2, have gone 3-1 and since. Yeah, but I, t- I told you earlier on the show, you know, just wait for them to get a little bit of uh, chemistry going. You know? Right, but the, the way you saw those first two games, it looked like they were yeah, far from ugly. that. It was definitely ugly. It was definitely ugly. And But for them to hold the Giants to seven points, the Giants are considered a high-powered offense. So for them to hold the Giants to seven points is extremely impressive. And they forced a lot of takeaways. And it was overall – it wasn't the, uh, the a good overall game for the Eagles, but I'm sure – you know, they'll take the win however they can get it. Right, certainly. Um, the Eagles actually won time of possession yesterday, surprisingly, even though, as Chip Kelly says, I don't care about that. Um, but the Giants had three turnovers. The Eagles actually had more turnovers with four, but still was able to get away with it. The Giants, one thing that hurt them, they had 12 penalties for 92 yards. The Eagles had nine for 72. So this was just a sloppy game overall. Yeah. Um. But I think the one turning point you got to look in this game, Chill, if you're watching this, is the Eagles. Nolan Carroll had that pick six in the ball game oh, early yeah. on, yeah, and that was really the the difference maker. I I can't really say otherwise because I mean, if you look at the play, if you look at the uh, scoring summary, it was seven. The Giants come out, get the ball first, march right down the field, seven nothing. You're like, all right, Eagles, this is what you're gonna do today. And then they come down a couple drives later, and then it's Riley Cooper comes down, gets a 32-yard pass from Sam Bradford. You're like, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, 7-7 after one. Going to the second quarter, then early on in the second quarter, 12-26 remaining in that, in that uh, frame. Nolan Carroll intercepts Eli Manning deep in Giants territory, waltzes in for a touchdown. I think that was the play difference maker because right then it was 7-7. That was a semi-clean football game at that point in time. Mm-hmm. It was a tie football game at that time. And if the Giants would have went down the field there and scored, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown, I think the, Gi- the Giants would have had a whole different psyche, a whole different mindset, and I think this game would have had a whole different identity. Yeah, that turnover definitely um – started all the the mayhem as far far as like turnovers go but it always seems like Eli makes a couple questionable throws like he makes like one or two a game and then like some games he'll get away with it like his receivers will make a an amazing play or it can go how it went uh yesterday and he turns the ball over right so it always seems like uh, every game he makes one or two or even more than that questionable throws that are like, what are you doing? Why would you throw that? Yeah, I'm not. Head scratchers. I, right. I'm not uh, saying Sam Bradford is, is is clear of that either because he does a heck of a lot too. <clears throat> um, but the one thing that was also scary about this game before it even kicked off is we previewed this game yesterday on the show a little bit with Tubby, and I read that the line at the time was five-and-a-half-point favorites were the Eagles. Which wow. is is is, surprising is, is is picking the I mean right I mean the Giants came in um, with a better record than the Eagles the Giants came in tops in the division but it was home it was at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia so that's good for two two and a half points on the spread normally so that's saying that the Eagles were really about three point favorites at the time okay. but then within the last few hours as that afternoon transpired it went down to three and a half Philadelphia lead. So the money was saying Giants last night because it really swayed late. 
with the news that Odell Beckham Jr. was going to play, with the news that um, Nelson Aguilar was out, that Kiko Alonso was out, that Michael Kendricks was out for the Eagles. There was a lot of injuries of key players in this contest, which I think affected the betting lines. So really, at 3.5, you're saying that it's either a toss-up, a pick'em game, or that the Eagles were maybe a half-point, one-point favorites. Mm. So the money was really saying it was the Giants, but in the Giants, I mean, right there, seven-point lead, and then the Eagles rattle off 27 unanswered is essentially how the game went. Yeah, if I was a betting man, I probably would have lost a lot of money last night. <laughs> exactly. I would have pro- definitely bet on the uh, the Giants. And, but. I mean, as much as this, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy it's a win, all right? But, I mean, there's a lot that needs to be fixed on this Eagles team. I agree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that they got a win. I'm pleased that they're, that you know, because if they lose this game, too, that means through the first shift, if you will, or the first cycle through the NFC East, the Eagles were 0-3. Right. And that's devastating, exactly, especially yeah. with how porous this team, this division is, that there's most likely going to be a tight race to the end and most likely going to be tiebreakers. In tiebreakers, you're going to need that win against divisional opponents. So to go 0-3 and lose to each divisional opponent the first cycle through would not have boded well for the Eagles down the stretch. I agree. Still going one and two isn't the greatest thing, but to at least get that win over the Giants and hold a tiebreaker over them, yeah, that's big for time. now. Ken is, is going to be helpful. Yeah, I agree. I, another thing I, I noticed about the Eagles is that it seems like they can hang their hat on their defense because their right. offense has kind of been inconsistent all year. I know they put up like they put up like thirty nine points. I think that was last week, um, but their defense is turning into a defense that they can rely on, you know, and they can always fall back on whether the offense has it going or not. And that's that's a good sign because defense wins championships. So you got to be able to rely on your defense and rely on takeaways and causing havoc out there on the defensive end. So that's right. a silver lining for them. Right, but at the same time, you can't expect this defense, or really any defense maybe aside from the Jets or, or a few other teams, the Bills maybe, that – to get four turnovers a ball game. Right. That's a lot. I mean, you got I mean, they did a heck of a job defensively. I'm not going to lie. They held the Giants to only 247 yards of total offense, less than 100 yards on the ground, the first NFL franchise this season to be held to less than 100 yards rushing. And you you really silenced Odell Beckham Jr. I, obviously, he is a very talented beast. One of the best receivers in the National Football League right now. Finished with seven catches for 61 yards and one touchdown, but was only targeted one time in the second half and did not catch that pass. So he was shut out in the final two quarters. Yeah, I definitely think that. So this defense did a solid job. Right. I'm going to give you the credit for that. But at the same time, I don't think if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you can have sustained success just relying on your defense because the way Sam Bradford and the way this Philadelphia Eagles offense played at times was horrible. Yeah. Just horrible. Because, I mean, look, there was one time the Eagles caused a turnover, got the recovery, and then, like, two plays later, Sam Bradford just threw a horrendous pick. Like, you couldn't tell whether he overthrew the one receiver or underthrew the other receiver. He just threw him an interception. The Eagles easily should have beat the Giants, like, 47-7 to last night. They easily should have had at least minimum. 10 more points. The same could have been said a week ago when the Eagles beat the Saints, a very inferior Saints squad who surprisingly upset the Falcons on Thursday night, but they're still not the Saints of old. And they had Sam Bradford through two interceptions in the red zone that night, or that day against the Saints. 
So you could have had at least another 10 points there. Six if you're going to say we're just going to settle for field goals. Yeah. Yeah, you're, so you're asking for more discipline on the offensive end. Then. I'm asking that's, that's for the defense team. to continue what they're yeah. doing, but I'm asking for the offense to get their head out of your there, you know what, and start playing football. Yeah. Because Sam Bradford is not getting it done with 24 for 38, 280 yards, one touchdown, and three, three interceptions. interceptions. Count them, yeah. Chu, three. That's not going to get it done every day. That's definitely not going to get it done every Sunday for sure. Especially in the playoffs. Playoffs? What are you talking about? <laughs> playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> right. Was that Fenner's? Is that Fenner's uh, go-to one? That that one? Playoffs. Playoffs one. It's all right. I think <laughs> Fenner likes it. Yeah, I like that one. But it's you're. It's just not. <sighs> I love the way the defense played. I love. If I'm going to take positives, I love the way the defense played. DeMarco Murray ran for 109 yards. That's, that's good. That he was my next thing. Yeah, he going. got 22 carries, 109 yeah. yards. He eclipsed the century mark, though, in some garbage time at the end. But he still did it, and it was good for his yeah. confidence because going into that ball game, he only had three rushes of 10 yards or more. Yeah, he's he had more really y- been struggling. Right, he had more carries that netted, less, that, neg- that netted negative yards than gained positive yards for the Philadelphia Eagles offense going into that ball game. Why do you think he's been struggling so much in in the in that system? Because he was he was a premier player in, in right. Dallas. I think, and John Gruden illustrated this pretty well last night, and uh, it's been talked about a good amount. Is just the the style of running they're going to ask him to do um, is that he's going like horizontal out of the shotgun, horizontal, and then he has to cut up, find a hole to hit, cut up. In Dallas, they were at the I formation, and then he was just running down up the hill. middle, and yeah, then he was like, just going downhill first, which which. I understand that, but here's my question to it all. I thought the Eagles got rid of LaShawn McCoy, who was the NFL's leading rusher in the past. The Eagles drafted him out of Pitt, a Bishop McDevitt High School grad, a local guy. Why did I thought they got rid of LaShawn McCoy because he was not a north-south runner because he was an east-west runner, because he wasn't hitting holes quick enough for Chip Kelly, because he was doing too much dancing. That's what I heard as reasoning to why Chip Kelly got rid of him. Yes, financially it turned out as well, because now the Eagles essentially have two backs, DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews, I think three. I think Darren Sproles, all three of their salaries are the same as LaShawn McCoy was getting paid this year. So financially, I think it worked out that well. But I think the reason Chip wanted to ship off LaShawn McCoy was because of his too much dancing in the backfield. Okay, Okay. I understand that. So then why, when you have DeMarco Murray, a guy, as you said, was a premier player last year, the best running back in all of football a year ago, who can hit the hole hard, run north and south, made his money doing that, why are you having him run east and south now? Yeah. Or east and west, excuse me. Yeah, you've got to adapt your system to to the players that you have in the system. Like it's like that's part of being a great coach. You have to adjust to your players, to the talent of your players. So right. if you have LaShawn McCoy, who's an east west runner, and you have a certain type of you know, like the West Coast system, the shotgun type of system for him, and you bring in DeMarco Murray, who obviously was thriving in the I formation running downhill, you've got to adjust that to his game. You know, right. for him to be successful. So I think that one's on, on Chip Kelly. It is. But, but, I mean, Chip Kelly doesn't doesn't care about that, too. He doesn't, he's like, I got my system, yeah. and I can fit guys he's into my system. Thing. Player A, player B can work in my system because I'm Chip Kelly, and my system 
is going to be successful. I agree. That, That's it what he said the like same that. thing about Sam Bradford in the quarterback situation. Nick Foles was working in the Eagles' offense. Was he the prototypical quarterback for the system? No, but he was getting it done. Chip Kelly assured us that you did not need a running quarterback. You did not need a mobile passer to be able to excel in his system. Nick Foles had moderate success running Chip Kelly's offense. Mark Sanchez had moderate success running Chip Kelly's offense. Sam Bradford, not so much. Not so much. And I don't even think it's the system. I'm not sure. I don't think so, but it could be. I just think that Sam Bradford is not comfortable at the quarterback position, whether it's solely based on running the system, whether it's based on two ACL tears, or what. But he's not comfortable. You can't be making them boneheaded mistakes. Don't I got to remind you that the year Nick Foles was 27 and 2, 27 touchdowns to two interceptions, went a long streak without throwing a pick too in that season. The Eagles went to the playoffs that year. It's about taking care of the football. Just ask the Giants. If they don't turn the ball over 3 times in this game, one of which netted 7 points for the Eagles, who yeah. knows what this game would have been? Yeah. I, 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 I kind of halfway agree with you. I halfway agree with you because some of the passes that Sam Bradford was throwing are horrendous. Were some bonehead passes. I agree with you on that. But I do think that the system does play a part, even f- for both him and DeMarco Murray, just simply because they're, they're prototypical. They're the, like the prototype uh, running back, quarterback combination. Where the I formation, you know, pro style type of quarterback and running back. So you throw them into a high tempo system. Obviously, it's going to take some adjusting to do. Obviously, they're they're NFL players. They need to adjust to the system. But it's not it's not their mo. You know, it's not what they do. It's not what they've been doing. So I, I I would throw put some of the blame on the players and then some of the blame on Chip Kelly. I'm a, I'm a divide it up. You divide it up, yeah, divide, divide and conquer. Up that way. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me just ask you this then: Is do you think Sam Bradford can get this turned around, or do you think this was a bad move by Chip Kelly? Because I think as of right now, that's a big question. I think the jury may still be out on it, but as of right now, do you think that this is a a a mistake? by Chip Kelly, the general manager. I mean, it all depends on if they're winning games. It all depends on if they're winning games. If they continue to win, then stuff works itself out in the end. But at the end of the day, I don't think that system will highlight Sam Bradford's talents as much as a, a pro-style system could for him. So, like I said, if they're winning games, then you can kind of deflect some of the blame and say, well, we're winning, so who cares? But... I don't think that system is tailored for Sam Bradford. I think that, I think, the the West Coast type of offense. He's not a he's not a mobile quarterback, and in that offense, you got to be able to move around and make make stuff happen with your feet. Right, and that's just not him, and especially off of coming off of injuries. I know he's not. He's probably not a hundred percent confident in his legs anyway to begin with. Certainly. So. But nonetheless, the Eagles escaped with the victory. I mean, no, I agree. I mean, we're just going to have to find out exactly if he can get comfortable in this offense, if he can figure himself out in this system. And, I mean, it's it's, it's one to make that transition to a whole new system, a whole new team, a whole new city, whole new conference, or excuse me, division. Um, 
but it's also another he hasn't been on the football field for quite some time right. due to the injury. So the Eagles might just be expecting too much out of the gate. I'm not quite sure. But nonetheless, the Eagles escape 27-7 to in this one. Giants take a 7-0 lead off the opening drive touchdown. The Eagles respond with 27 unanswered and really avoid the troubles that were with four turnovers in this ballgame. Yeah. And get the victory. The Eagles back on prime time television once again um, in this upcoming week two. As this finishes out uh, week, what is this week six in the National Football League? And now they're in action this Sunday night, eight thirty at the Carolina Panthers, and then they have a bye week, and then they have at the Cowboys on Monday night, or excuse me, on Sunday night again. So back to back Sunday nighters. For the Philadelphia Eagles, should be interesting to see. We're gonna hit our first break on the show. That was good Monday Night Football breakdown. Um, of course, I used to do a football show, a radio show too. That was spent an entire hour on the Eagles. Oh yeah, I believe you could talk about them. So I uh, obviously surprising. took copious notes during a game, <laughs> but I could go on and on, like you said. So first break on the show. Can't talk about the Eagles for an hour. We're gonna come back, and then we're actually gonna look. I got one more NFL question for you, Chew, um, and then which I'll pose to you right now before we hit the break. I'll give you the break to think about it, and then we'll jump in to some NBA preseason talk and then also this Louisville nonsense that is transpiring. Um, so here's my question. There are a few more teams left in, the, uh, left in the undefeated world of the National Football League at this moment. The New England Patriots, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Denver Broncos, the, and the Carolina Panthers. So we entered this week with Four undefeated teams. We left this week in the National Football League with four undefeated teams. Which of those teams has the best chance of making the Super Bowl? Think about it over the break. Come back with your answer. I'll have mine as two. Don't go anywhere the morning after rolls along after this. Edinburgh Campus Media is supported in part by a grant from ECRA, an organization that empowers the Erie County nonprofit sector towards economic and community development. Information is at 814-897-2690 or at ecgra.org. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. 9.30 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after. Athlete formerly known as Chewy. Tyler with you here on a Tuesday morning. Thank you all for tuning in. 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. EdinburghNow.com and tune in app on your mobile devices. Um, and we discovered over the break, I cannot count, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there are five undefeated teams left in the National Football League. Forgot to mention the Green Bay Packers. I'm sure I'm going to hear from Chewy's, or excuse me, Tubby's wife um, 
You're not married <laughs> yet, are you? No, nah, not yet. No right, ring on my yet. finger. All right. Well, actually, it would be on her finger, too. Right, right. I mean, first, because, like, well, you know what I mean? I haven't Which, purchased any rings. <laughs> and the no, rings no rings have been purchased. No rings. Um, <laughs> the Packers are also among them that have yet to lose a football game this season. So I pose the question, if you're just t- t- tuning in and joining us, to Chew, um, of the f- now five undefeated teams in the National Football League, we had five entering uh, week six, emerged w- week six with five. Which one of them is not only going to go into the playoffs, <laughs> which ones are also going to put, which one has the best chance of getting to the Super Bowl and maybe even winning the Lombardi Trophy, Chu? Um, this is a tough question. I definitely put a lot of thought into this one during the break. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to go against my heart on this one because I love the Packers. I love Aaron Rodgers. I've uh, been on record saying that a lot, that he's the best quarterback How in the can league. you love Green Bay when you're a Detroit Lions fan? Be- because because Aaron Rodgers is just great. I appreciate greatness. You know, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of greatness. So even though, you know, they've been dominating the Lions or whatever, right. Aaron Rodgers, he emanates greatness. So I'm going to rock with him through whatever. But to answer your question, I think it was between the Packers and the Patriots as far as teams – that have the best chance of winning the Super Bowl, but I'm going to go with the Patriots because of the simple fact that they've been dominating teams. Like, they've been winning. The way they've been winning, they've been winning in dominating fashion, and <coughs> they, seem to, they seem to have it all put together, especially offensively. They're leading, they're leading the league, averaging 36 points a game. They haven't been held under 28 this season, and their upcoming, their upcoming opponents – Aren't the best of opponents. They play the Jets. They're a good team. Play the Dolphins. Eh. Redskins. Eh. So, and if you look at the Packers, they've got the Broncos, who's undefeated. They play two undefeated teams coming up. They play the Broncos and the and the Panthers. But I think the Broncos are probably the weakest of the undefeated teams. I agree. I agree because their offense can't seem to get it going. They almost lost to the Browns. Yeah, their offense can't can't seem to get it going. So I agree with that one. But I think the Patriots definitely have the best chance, especially after winning the Super Bowl last year. They have the best chance of. So you're going with the Patriots. I'm going with the Patriots, yeah. All right. So in an yeah. in an undramatic fashion, yep. I am also picking the New England Patriots for this reason: the Patriots under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have started five and oh two other times in this in their careers together at New England. Both times ended in the Super Bowl. Right. Oh yeah, the undefeated season they had that was. Right. One time the they won Bowl. it. Yeah. The other time they lost it. But they at least got to the Super Bowl. So the question is, who's getting to the Super Bowl? Ah, the undefeated teams, both going New England. Second, though, I would probably go Green Bay. I think Green Bay's done an unbelievable job this year. In the preseason, people thought that was going to be the team that was going to suffer due to the injury bug because of Lord losing Jordy Nelson and a few other players. But they found James Jones in the uh, on on the street right. after he was being he was let go by the Oakland Raiders. Um, but I think the team that really got the injury bug to bite them is the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs just overall aren't that good, but they also now have lost Jamal Charles, among others, and they're now 1-5. So the Chiefs, you know, who, with Andy Reid, one of the, one of the better coaches in the National Football League, um, we, he's just really struggling down there. I think, to look at the other undefeated teams, I think Carolina's legit. I think Cam Newton is, is probably the MVP. Yeah, the only reason I couldn't go with them was because they haven't they haven't played a team with a winning record yet. So it's like hmm, good you point. know 
their schedule it, it plays a plays a hand in why I didn't pick them to make to the Super Bowl. Right. But you got to you got to you know to be the best you got to beat the best. So yeah, could, they haven't great. played anybody with a winning record yet. Right. So. Yeah. And uh, Cam Newton's playing unbelievable. I mean, this yeah, is the Cam is. Newton we saw in Auburn. This is the Cam Newton we expected to see at the National Football League level, and uh, he's really showed up to play this year. Yeah. Do you remember talking about? Uh, we were talking about Cam Newton. I believe it was like during the preseason. You said like this is Cam Newton's year. Like he's been in the the league five years now. This is. It's, I didn't yeah. say. I didn't predict this was going to be his great year. I said he's got to do something. Yeah, you said he's got to do something. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And he did. He's, he's shown responded. up. The problem is now. You know, the NFC South is actually de- a tough division now because the Falcons are five and zero. Potentially could have been among them still undefeated, except for the two and four Saints playing spoiler in that division. Um, so the Panthers and Falcons will duel that out for an NFC South title. Uh, maybe one of the other teams settling for a wild card, which you know. Is another thing is that there's so much parity in the National Football League now, too, that despite these te- there's still five teams undefeated, there are a lot of teams that are just have two wins, three wins. Um, the wild card race is even wa- is wide open, too. I mean, the NFC East is horrible. I don't think, you know, I don't think a lot. I don't. I'm I'm not sure if two teams will emerge from that division and go to the playoffs, um, but it's possible right now because right now the Giants are three and three, the Eagles are three and three. That would be good for. I mean, that's better than any team in the West except for the Cardinals who lead. Um, that's better than any team in the – that's better than two out of the four teams in the North, and that's better than two out of the four teams in the South. So, I mean, they're right there. Yeah. I mean, obviously you want to win the East. You want to get the home field advantage. You want to guarantee yourself that you get in the postseason. Obviously, you know, the NFC South has showed that. You could be 7-9 and or 7-8 and 1 and – and you know, win your division, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're that's, playing, that's and you have a home, you have a home game. Then that's just the way the NFL playoff format is. Yeah. So, but we're both going with the Patriots to wrap up the NFL talk. Week six completed in the National Football League. We'll uh, talk Thursday night football upcoming in a matter of days. Before you know it, busy Thursday night football with the NFL Week Seven getting underway, and of course, Burrow football has another Thursday night contest. Their final. Thursday nighter of the 2015 season. This Thursday night at 6 o'clock against the Mercyhurst Lakers, continuing their backyard brawl after uh, having won a week ago against the Gannon Gold Knights, which really was a brawl that was 49 to 42 shootout. Yeah. Um, six o'clock kick at Sox Harrison Stadium. Barn burner. It was. Looks to be a good night weather wise at Sox Harrison Stadium. Looks to be 50, 60, sunny, um, especially sunny in the afternoon. So it should be a decent day. Um, at the stadium here in the borough. You got that this Thursday? This Thursday, 6 o'clock. You got it right Make here sure on 88.9, Fighting Scots Radio, EdinburghNow.com, the TuneIn app, as well as the Keystone Sports Network, which is on uh, the ESPN affiliate in Erie and then also on in Corey. And we also have video of that on ETV and online at Edinburgh.tv. So we got you covered, Joe. We got you covered. Now let's move into the National Basketball Association. Chew loves My this. favorite. My Your favorite. favorite. Yeah. Preseason underway. Yeah. Games being played. Games don't count, but they're being played. Yeah. No, I'm I can't I can't sit here and say I like the NBA or that I'm gonna watch a second of the NBA preseason because <laughs> that ain't true. It's not. It's just not true. <laughs> Yeah, I, I catch but the you highlights. Do. I, I catch you the do. highlights every day. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm up I'm up and on it. So Tell me, Chu, who who you like so far 
in this preseason. I mean, just looking at the standings, the Charlotte Hornets, yes, the Charlotte Hornets, no longer Bobcats, they can now fly, are 6-0 and in the preseason. Pacers 4-1, and a bunch of teams 4-1, the Wizards, the Celtics, the Knicks. The Knicks are 4-1, too. Yeah. That just shows you how much I don't care about the preseason. <laughs> um, Grizzlies on the western side of things, 5-0, and Sacramento 5-1, and the Thunder 4-1, and the Nuggets 4-2. and uh, Surprises, disappointments so far through the 2015 preseason for you, too? Um, yeah, there's some, some surprises here and there. I think the thing about the NBA preseason, it, you can't look too deeply into it, but you can see, you know, you can see kind of the teams that are getting better. Right. A lot of teams are have gotten better. Like them Sixers, two yeah. and four. Yeah, they've gotten better. They've gotten better, whether it be that through free agency, whether it be through the NBA draft. Teams are improving. So, especially with the Lakers, obviously the Lakers have a new-look team. They got a whole bunch of – a whole host of new players. Kobe with Kobe coming back. They're obviously making strides, and their young players are getting better and better. And it's just good to see teams improving. Now, with that being said, I don't think they're going to make too much noise during the season or even make it to the playoffs, but it's all about improvement. And you got to take it one day at a time. Um, obviously, the teams that we talked about uh, being in the playoffs, uh, you know, contending for a championship, are still there. The Spurs, the, the Cavs, the Warriors – a lot of the teams out west, obviously, are going to fight for that. But I think it's the Cavs in the east. And the Heat, if they stay healthy, the Heat obviously will have a chance to upset the Cavs. But I don't think that's going to happen. Not a healthy Cavs team. But the preseason has been fun. It's been fun so far because a lot of guys, they get to, a lot of new guys get to try out and try out for the team, you know, play some games and get some, get some running. So it's always fun. I love, I love watching preseason, actually. I love NBA better basketball. than the regular. Better I, than the regular season? No, I wouldn't huh, say of that. Of course not. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. Wouldn't say that at all. But so, I, I just like seeing guys get opportunities. So start. So I mean, what do you? I mean, do you see a big change? Anything right now? I mean, do? I mean, I, I remember a lot of the times when the Colts were good with the with the with uh, Peyton Manning as their quarterback. I'm gonna have to go to the NFL because I just don't care about the NBA. <laughs> um, as far as archives, I don't remember too much. I remember the Colts being 0-4 in the preseason, but then going 14-2 and in the regular season. Right. So the Charlotte Hornets are 6-0. and Should I buy into the Charlotte Hornets? I'm not, I wouldn't tell you to do that. I wouldn't predict that they're going to win an NBA championship off of their preseason record. I would never do that. But well, I'm not saying they're going to hoist it all in the finals. Right. But I'm saying, like, are the Charlotte Hornets legit this year? Like, are they actually going to be a contender? Because, I mean, what? Did, did they sneak into the playoffs last year? Mm. They were no, close. They didn't. They're they, close yeah, to they the, were on the fringe. They but were on the fringe. I mean, they uh, are they going to be maybe a fifth, sixth seed this year? I can't say that right now. I can't say that just simply because they, the teams that they've been playing, well, they've been playing legitimate teams over the preseason. But, but it's preseason. Yeah, but it's preseason. So you can't look too deeply into it. But you like to see your team playing well regardless of the season. So I think it's just a good outlook for them. They're winning games. I don't think it's going to translate. I think they're they're going to win more games than they did last year because they've got better players on their team. Right. Uh, they signed Nicholas Batum, free agent from Portland, and then Jeremy Lin, who's been playing well. Jeremy Lin, you got to know about Jeremy Lin, the the, the two week sensation, right? Uh, Lin Sanity, but he's been playing well, sticking around. So yeah, so I think that de- they've definitely gotten better, but I wouldn't say that they're a contender, not at this point, not yet. Hmm. Yeah. Cavs one and six. So that I mean, there's there you just really just can't buy into the you preseason because it's basically 
I mean, it, listen, we talking about practice. That's basically not what it game, is. Not a game. <laughs> not a game. Practice. Practice. That's what it is. The Cavs being one and six, you can't say, oh, they're they're going they're in route for an awful season. Horrible. That's just not going to happen. Lottery for the Cavs. Yeah, that's not going to. They'd happen. win it too. They always win the lottery. Yeah, it they seems like they always place. get the number one pick, regardless of anything. But no, the Cavs being one and six, I wouldn't look too deeply into that. Just as I wouldn't look too deep in the Hornets being five and zero. Oh. So, that's my take. But I love it. NBA basketball is here. We got. Seven days. Oh, here's the countdown. Hours. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We need the <laughs> give me the countdown. Okay, countdown to the Kia NBA tip off. We have seven days, ten hours, seventeen minutes, and twenty seconds and counting. There you go. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Fenner's even gonna bark. He's so excited. <laughs> That's how excited he is for the NBA. Hey, Fenner likes the I'm NBA. Ready to go. We could get Fenner in here with you. We we could get some serious NBA talk going. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Me and Fenner could go at it. There you go. Who's his team? Does he have a team? The Mavs. The Mavs. Oh, yeah, I did. You, you know, follow did. him on social yeah, media. I He'll do. Mavs you up as much as he Tennessee <laughs> Titan or Tennessee z- you up with the Vols and the Titans. He will Mavs you to death. I definitely saw that on Twitter. He was going in on the Mavericks. He's going in on Rondo a lot. He didn't like. He did not like that. <laughs> he did See, not like. And that I don't trade. get why that. he has to put so much nonsense, especially on Instagram. Like he's got those graphics. Like he must <laughs> steal it from the from the Mavs <laughs> social media accounts, and he puts it on his own Instagram. And I'm like, and I'm like, Fenner, no one. Cares <laughs> the Mavs? Where does that even come? Where does it like? He's just a Dirk fan, and just... I have no idea. He's 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 all over the map. He really is. That's uh, uh, every time I see him post something on the Mavs on Twitter or, or Instagram, it's so funny. And the biggest like... lie he has is I'm not a baseball fan. That ain't true. Because uh. how many times? Do you see pictures of him at baseball games, whether it's the Seawolves oh, yeah. or the Pirates? Yeah, I do, yeah. And he's like, I don't like baseball. <laughs> I don't like baseball. He, it seems like he's everywhere. It seems like he's everywhere. He thinks he's Mr. Yeah. Genius. He That's thinks he's funny. Mr. Popular. I'll tell you what. That's All funny. right. We got we to gotta stop talking about making fun of him or we're going to lose our jobs. <laughs> we're going to hit a break here, our final break. We'll come back. Talk about the Louisville basketball situation's been talked about. Um, and previously on ESPN, an outside the lines report just emerged this morning. Chu's been all over it. He's going to have his two cents to give, get his opinion, being a college basketball player. And more on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's the morning after. Support for WFSE is provided in part by John's Wildwood Pizzeria, open daily at 105 Erie Street in Edinburgh. John's menu includes pizza, hoagies, wings, salads, and more. Information is at 814-734-7355 or on the web at johnswildwoodpizza.com. 9.50 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio, our final segment of today's show. We only took two breaks today, Chew. Yeah, we've been working. Hard working at hard. work. Um, appreciate the time today from you, from those of you listening on the dial, edinburghnow.com, the tune in app, the like. Appreciate the time, of course. You can always catch our podcasts up on edinburghnow.com on our SoundCloud account up there. We have our archive up there. Almost every show we've ever done is on there. So uh, give it a view, give it a listen. Yeah, yeah. Give I would it all those. Advise that. Uh, good stuff out there. And, um, We'll be back at it tomorrow morning, a Wednesday edition with Tubby back here uh, talking whatever nonsense comes to mind. Uh, We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Still trying to get the plans ironed out for tomorrow's show. Nonetheless, let's finish today's stuff before we start looking into the future. And we're talking Louisville basketball nonsense right here, ladies and gentlemen. 
and the law and order thing is definitely necessary here yeah, because there's going to be some law and order happening. This is a debauchery. Uh, good word. Good word. Thank you. Thank you. I've been waiting to use that. I've been waiting a long time to use that word, actually. That's that's good work by you. I've got a lot of words saved up, so hopefully. <laughs> i got a lot of words saved up. Yeah. Hopefully I get to, to display them one day. Got you. <laughs> that's good work. Uh, so uh, an outside the lines report came out this morning about this. Louisville basketball recruiting scandal, I guess is the way to put it. Um, Five former University of Louisville basketball players and recruits told Outside the Lines that they attended parties at a campus dorm from 2010 through 2014 that included strippers paid for by the team's former graduate assistant, Andre McGee. Who? Exactly. Who? Who? Never heard of him till today. Till today. One of the former players said they had sex with a dancer after McGee paid her. Each of the players and recruits attended different parties at Billy Minardi Hall, where dancers, many of whom stripped naked, were present. Three of the five players said they attended parties as recruits and also when they played for Louisville. Said one of the recruits who ultimately signed to play elsewhere, quote, I knew they weren't college girls. It was crazy. It was like I was in a strip club. Close quote. <laughs> Chew, the floor is yours, man. Um... This story it's it's not shocking to me. Not, when I re- when I read when I was reading on it this morning, uh, I was surprised because I didn't know that you know I didn't know that the evidence would be this stacked up stacked up this high against Louisville and against Andre McGee. But I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, coaches, I think that coaches at a lot of universities, especially when you're a top tier university and you're targeting the best players in the country. Usually, a lot of the time, they will do whatever it takes to get the kids to come to their program. Now, whether it be now, I'm not saying Rick Pitino at Louisville is responsible for these parties or knew about these parties going on in the dorms, but a lot of the time, they will let stuff sl- slide under the rug. Right. You know. So it's basically like do whatever it takes to get the recruit to come here, to get the recruit to sign that letter of intent to play for our program. And this story doesn't surprise me at all. It happens a lot. It happens at, I want to say it happens a lot at many universities. Obviously, it's alleged until it can be proved. But I just don't, it's, it's unfortunate that this story is breaking out. It's like if you get caught, that's, that's one of the situations where, okay, now the whole program looks bad. But I think it does happen very often. Now, of course, this, a, this really stemmed from a book called Breaking Cardinal Rules, Basketball and the Escort Queen, published this month by self-described former escort Katina Powell, who's now 42. So she was doing this. So say she was part of these from 2010 to 2014. She was 36 to 40. Yeah. And the question posed, why why is she bringing it out? You know what I'm saying? Why is she breaking the news now? Because she's got a book because she can make money from it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's all this comes down to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of illegal NCAA activity going on there. Yeah. Um, a lot of illegal university activity because it was happening in a dorm, you know. Yeah. But I mean, is and that's and that's considering that all these recruits for eighteen years old. There's a lot of people that are you guys are recruiting that are seventeen. You know, they don't turn eighteen till during their freshman year. Shouldn't be drinking. You shouldn't be. Should, you're not allowed to be at a strip club if that's what this type exactly. of atmosphere is. And then engaging in paid sex is you know it's prostitution. Right. So. All of that not legal. 
So she details in this book nearly two dozen stripping and sex parties from 2010 to 14 at this dorm, the on-campus dorm for athletes and other students named for Louisville men's basketball head coach Rick Pitino's late brother-in-law. Powell, the woman, first spoke to Indianapolis Business Journal book publishing, has said that McGee arranged the parties and paid her $10,000, count it, ten grand for supplying dancers during the time period. Hey, that's this nuts. That's nuts. But like I said, it doesn't surprise me. They do. Uh, players, coaches, recruiters do whatever it takes to get the, the top players there. So now, obviously, it helps them. You know, as the, in their revenue, <clears throat> they're getting paid. Right. So, and uh, just a final note on this is McGee um, left Louisville in 2014. Uh, which is maybe why those parties stopped, and is an assistant coach at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. He's currently on administrative leave with pay while the school uh, conducts a review. The NCAA and Louisville themselves are also looking into the matter. So, not good if you're Louisville. Uh, Rick Patino. I mean, he's been a part of a lot of off-the-court scandals himself. Of course, there was that like extortion case against him with the woman that was trying to say, you know, trying to get money from him, all the like back in the day. So a lot of stuff going around Louisville, which, as you mentioned, big-time programs will do nearly anything they can to get big-time recruits to come on in because it can make or break your program, your season, and also your career if you're a coach. Um, So interesting. We'll follow that storyline as we go along. Good work today, Chu. Appreciate the time. We'll see you back here probably on Thursday, sir. Yes, sir. Sounds good to me. Thank you all for tuning in. The morning after finishes up here on a Tuesday edition. Back tomorrow, 9 to 10 a.m., as more sport talk continues here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio.